Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Yes, we deal in Mocholi. The Mocholi. Afatem is we deal in Mocholi. The Mocholi. Hashem Elokai Olam. Oh, Deca. Hashem Elokai
more things. It's important to know that no matter where you ended up for now, Rabbi Nachman says, no matter what condition you're in, there's always a way back home. So, but it's up to you, because you gotta take another chance. You can't be afraid. Take that extra chance. Come on. You can do it. You know why? Because we all get another chance.
Shema 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 Shema
That's when I lift my eyes to the skies, dreaming, dreaming, days gone by. And I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep up the fight. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you. Sometimes life's like an ocean. Is quiet as blue. Sometimes life's like an ocean sailing with you. Sometimes life's like an ocean raging like a fool. Sometimes life's like an ocean when it's drowning you. Rivers have come to surround me. Without you by my side, sometimes life. Surround me, to cool me and bring me down. Rivers have come to surround me, to turn my boat around. Rivers have come to surround me, to cool me and bring me down. Rivers have come to surround me, to turn my boat around. That's when I lift my eyes to the skies. Dreaming, dreaming, days gone by, and I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep on the fight. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you, without you by my side. That's when I lift my eyes to the skies, dreaming, dreaming, days gone by. And I know you said that all I need is an honest try, an honest try. But in the dark of night, in the lonely heights, you give me the strength to keep on the fight. But I can't move on, I can't live life without you, without you by my side. Without you, without you by my side.
אשת חיל מאמצא, ורחוק מפנימי מכלל, בטח בא לבעלה, ושלל לא יחסר. אשת חיל מאמצא, ורחוק מפנימי מכלל, בטח בא לבעלה, ושאלה לא יחסר. אישה עירת השם, היא תתהלל. אישה עירת השם, היא תתהלל. תנו לה מפרי ידיה, ויעללו המשרים הזהה. אישה עירת השם, היא תתהלל. אישה עירת השם, היא תתהלל. תנו לה מפרי ידיה, יהללוה בשרים
Kolachai with one of their greats, Bikarov. You heard Sandy in there with Aisha Schael, Tzadik from Shoresh, Yaakov Shweki's Moda'ani. Shwebel Sharfet Levine had Achas, all you got was Eighth Day, Eden or Eden with Lo Yisagoy. Tzvilah Schuppa was Miami, Menachem Herman's You've Got Hashem, Birchaz Habanim, that was Simcha Liner, and Baruch Levine with Ashrei Mi. Avram Rosenblum with the Diasperados from this past Friday's Lagba Omer special with Hafachta, and of course Regesh. Modani opened things up, and we say good morning. It's Wednesday on this May 5th, 23rd of ER, 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph. Today is day number 38 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 38 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. That would be a, that would be a good idea, to say the least. JM in the AM, um, taking a look at our app. People who've checked in. Listener of Rummy wishes everybody a fabulous Wednesday. Thank you. Listener Klein says, Boker Tov JM and the AM, please give a Cinco de Mayo birthday shout out to Wendy Schindler. Wendy, happy birthday from all of us here at JM and the AM. Uh, good morning, Nahum. Please wish a Mazdav to Mr. and Mrs. Yechiel Hirth and a brand new baby girl. Mazdav. We'll see if we can get to the musical request. Um. Someone asked if this is a dedicated fund for Mayron. I've seen a lot of funds to help a lot of people in the aftermath of all this. Listener Yaakov says Mazel Tov to uh, Fega Fogel and her husband upon their engagement. Maybe share Simchas. I'm main to that. Mazel Tov to Rabbi Mrs. Fogel and the Gansa Mishpacha. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. 
Round the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network and the beloved NSNF. Day 38, as we said in the counting of the Omer. 52 degrees, 91.1% humidity. Winds are east at 4 miles per hour. Some rain today with a high of 66. Rain turns into a uh, clear sky overnight with a low of 49. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high 66 degrees. 86 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 52 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Don't forget, Monday is our Yomi Yerushalayim special. Monday is our Yomi Yerushalayim special. Keep that in mind. Galaital, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for our Wednesday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. Galaital, Yerushalayim, Asha'a 2, Baulpan, Tal Shenhav, Im, Mashekorach Shav. המשבר הפוליטי. בשעה זו מסתיים סבב ההתייעצויות אצל הנשיא ריבלין. 51 חברי כנסת המליצו על יאיר לפיד, בגוש הימין לא המליצו על בנט. מדווח כתבנו יניר קוזין. נכון לשעה זו יושב ראש יש עתיד יאיר לפיד זוכה למרב הממליצים עם 51 חברי כנסת שהחליטו להמליץ לנשיא להטיל עליו את מלאכת הרכבת הממשלה. חרף ניסיונותיה של הילד שקד לשכנע את הליכוד, גוש הימין לא המליץ על בנט, המפלגות הערביות לא המליצו על איש. הנשיא צפוי להודיע הערב כי הוא מטיל את מלאכת הרכבת הממשלה על לפיד ולא יהיו 28 ימים לנסות ולהרכיב ממשלה שכוונתו היא ממשלה בנפתלי בנט הוא ראש הממשלה הראשון בחילוף ברוטציה. ויושב ראש עוצמה יהודית חבר הכנסת איתמר בן גביר קרא ביומן הצהריים אני מצפה שחברי כנסת נוספים מימינה התנגדו לממשלת בנט לפיד. הציבור תומך בצעד הזה של שקלי, הבוחרים של ימינה נותנים לו גב. עכשיו הגיע התור גם של הילד שקד, של מתן כהנא, ועידית צילמן, וניר אורבך. באמת, אנשים טובים, אנשים ראויים, ואנחנו מתפללים, אל תיקחו אותנו לממשלת שמאל. מחאת נכי צה"ל. עשרות מפגינים חסמו את הכניסה לירושלים. בשעה זו חזרו המפגינים למחות מול הכנסת ומשרד האוצר. ממקום ההפגנה מדווחת כתבתנו יעל חיימסון. מאות בני אדם משתתפים במחאת נכי צה"ל מול הכנסת ומשרד האוצר. מוקדם יותר הם צעדו לגשר המיתרים וחסמו את הכניסה לעיר. המפגינים דורשים רפורמה מיידית בטיפול בנכי צה"ל, כפי שהבטיח ראש הממשלה כבר לפני יותר משבועיים. סיסמת המחאה היא לא משאירים פצועים מאחור. ולאה סעידיאן, אחותו של איציק סעידיאן, לוחם צה"ל שהצית עצמו לפני כחודש, שמשתתפת בהפגנה, שוחחה עם אמיר איבגי בגלי צה"ל. רק אלוהים יודע עד כמה אני מחולקת, אני פשוט לא מאמינה שגם במקום הזה אני צריכה להילחם בממשלה שלי. אין לנו ארץ אחרת, ואנחנו נמשיך להילחם בשבילה, ואנחנו מוכנים למות בשביל המדינה הזאת. אבל יחד עם זאת, אני מבקשת ממכם, אני לא רוצה עוד מקרה של יצחק. אני לא אתן לשום אחות להרגיש את מה שאני מרגישה. זוגות טרנסג'נדרים ייכתבו כהורים בתעודת הלידה של ילדיהם, כך קבע היום בית המשפט העליון. על פי ההחלטה אין קשר בין סעיף המין של אדם במרשם האוכלוסין לבין הכתוב בתעודת הלידה שניתנת לילד, ולכן בתעודות הלידה לא יירשמו זוגות טרנסג'נדרים כאב ואם, אלא כהורה והורה. בבריטניה טוענים שספר הילדים שהדוכסית מגן מרקל צפויה להוציא לאור בחודש הבא, מועתק. כתבת חדשות החוץ, מיכל גלנץ. הדוכסית מואשמת בהעתקת העלילה, האיורים והכריכה של ספרה החדש, הספסל, מהסופרת הבריטית קורין אבריס, שכתבה ספר בשם הילד והספסל לפני שלוש שנים. כמו ספרה של אבריס, מייגן כתבה על ילד, ארצ'י שלה, ועל שיחה שלו עם אביו, במקרה הזה הנסיך הארי. הספר צפוי לצאת לאור ב-8 ביוני. 
מזג האוויר ירידה בטמפרטורות, אך יהיה עדיין חם מהרגיל בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. בחסות הפניקס מארט, המעניקה שלושה חודשים מתנה בביטוח מקיף לרכב. Tzion, okay. Anyways, because the kind of people that are going to help rescue the Jewish people, you know, we're going to come up high on the mountain of Tzion. And for those of you that know what Tzion means, Tzion really means excellence, right? It's the highest, the highest point on the mountain. That's the Tzion. You know, we get up to the high point, and then, you know, we have something to offer the world. But if we don't get to that high point, so there isn't much to sell, you know? <laughs> okay. So this is dedicated to all the Jewish rockers in the world, all my partners here in the Desperados. And uh, I want to send a shout out to uh, my good friend in Eretz Yisrael, Menachem Herman. Uh, hey, and, uh, and Gedalia Goldstein, you know, my uh, diaspora drummer for many years. And, uh, and everybody else, Simcha Abramson on Hart Zion, if you're watching. So I love you guys, and uh, thanks for all the good years, and you never know. You never know. Right? Ready? One, two, three, four. Come to your rhythm and size, we'll get you high, get you through the door. Come to your rhythm and size, we're what you've been waiting for. Music born of pain Music filled with sunshine or filled with rain Bring us your inner fire Come to your rhythm, Messiah Come to your rhythm, Messiah We'll get you higher Catch us through the door
messiahs. We'll get you higher. Get you through the door. Ow! Come to your rhythm, messiahs. We're
J.M. in the A.M. Lipa with no Shimcha. Here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, Avram Rosenblum and the Diasperados from Friday from our Logba Omer special. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm laughing because... <laughs> I'm laughing because um, <laughs> because somebody on the app, <laughs> somebody on the app just said that uh, I am definitely a '70s child, loving the Avram Rosenblum music. Too bad I was an infant. Guess I'm making up for lost time. Yeah, it was quite an era, and I'm not taking anything away from the performance on Friday. It was phenomenal, but when you have the full, you know, original diaspora band together, it is just an unbelievable experience. And it's a dream of mine. Many people know this, a dream of mine to reunite them one more time in some venue in New York, either on a Thursday night or a Saturday night or, and just uh, rock the place. But, um, I would need a big backer for that one to make it happen, frankly. And I don't know if that exists, but it has always been a dream of mine. And it is something. It's something spectacular. You got a taste of it on Friday. A taste of it. And it's just, though, they were so phenomenal. So phenomenal. 
Uh, anyway, Wednesday morning, 5th of May, 23rd of ER, and today is day number 38 in the counting of the Omer, five weeks and three days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. So coming up at 9 o'clock today, right after JM and the AM, we've invited Leon Goldenberg to our network. He'll be with us uh, both in May and June. And uh, the show is called Politics Today, Leon Goldenberg Politics Today. It happens at 9 o'clock Eastern time this morning. And his purpose is just to interview candidates uh, for office. Uh, Senator Brian Benjamin, who's running for New York City Controller, he'll be on at 9 o'clock. Councilman uh, Robert Cornegie, uh, who's running for Brooklyn Borough President, is going to be on. And obviously you can uh, hear it all at NahumSiegel.com on the free NahumSiegel Network app by dialing our listen line. And we welcome Leon Goldenberg, whose Twitter handle, by the way, is LeonGoldenberg1 at LeonGoldenberg1. So he'll be doing that at 9 o'clock this morning right after uh, JM in the AM. Also wanted to mention that uh, on Sunday, June the 6th, it's a, it's a month away, but the Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills is holding a virtual memorial tribute to uh, Rabbi Fabian Schoenfeld of blessed memory. It's happening on the 6th of June. Circle the calendar. The keynote speaker is Rabbi Mordechai Willig, who grew up in the Young Israel of Kew Gardens Hills and was the leader of its youth minion. And they're by Dr. Saul Roth, professor of Talmud uh, and contemporary halacha and spiritual leader of the Young Israel of Riverdale up in the Bronx. Excuse me. Rabbi Willig is the Rabbi Dr. Saul Roth, professor of Talmud and spiritual leader of the Young Israel of Riverdale. There you go. Um, so he'll speak, and, um, and that'll be happening on June the 6th. If you have stories or photographs that you want to share for the tribute to the memory of Rabbi Schoenfeld, uh, it's yikgh2021 at gmail.com, yikgh, Young Israel Q Garden Sales. Y-I-K-G-H-2021 at gmail.com. I want to mention that because there are people out there that may have material they want to share. Now, we've been announcing that um, we've been announcing that this coming Monday is our Yom Yushalayim special. And following our special between 9 and 10, Mayor Weingarten has uh, given up his uh, Israel show for Monday in... Uh, support of Aterat Kohanim, and I thank him, and Aterat Kohanim thanks him. We're going to air a special one-hour tribute to the work of Aterat Kohanim that we prepared uh, a couple of weeks ago and that you can access via the QR code on the back cover of Hamizrahi magazine. You can go to um, you can go to ataratkohanim.org, and you'll see it there on their homepage. All the information is on their homepage. But yesterday we heard a rumor that somebody is matching donations to Aterat Kohanim up to $125,000. Now, I looked at the website this morning. I don't see any information on it yet. But I'm just letting you know, if you have a, uh, an, in, a if you have an, a, um, what's the word? If you have a, uh, a desire, it's not the word I'm looking for, but anyway, if you have a desire to help Aterat Kohanim, be patient, because apparently they are about to announce some major matching campaign, which would be unbelievable if we helped spearhead a $125,000 matching campaign. So I'll give you that information as soon as I have it, as soon as Aterat Kohanim passes that on to us. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, people step forward and step up for Yerushalayim. Um, they do. People step up for Yerushalayim. And it doesn't surprise me, especially as we approach Yerushalayim, that this is the the um, attitude that one 
person out there has had and continues to have for the work of Atarat Konim and the holy city of Jerusalem. More coming up. It's Yidl on JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. at Zito with a song called Soon here at J.M. and the A.M. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net, and try A&H today. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there we go. Always something to be taken care of here. <laughs> um, Wednesday morning, day 38 in the counting of the Omer. Periods of rain with a high temperature of 66. So we're, we're still talking about what happened Friday. The incredible uh, performance of uh, Avram Rosenblum and the Diasperados. Really amazing. Anyway, this was the song that, uh, this is one of the songs he did. Um, not as well-known a Avram Rosenblum Diaspora song as many others, but a really powerful one. Mikol Milamdai is the name of this one so this song is for you here at JM and the AM. To, uh, all of our teachers, all of our mentors, door is wide open teach me to learn teach me to learn help me fix what I have broken teach me to love teach me to love all my shadows follow closely but they fade And there's no secret I'm detecting. Teach me to love. Teach me to love. In your wisdom, you'll detect it. Teach me to love. And teach me to love. You're a beacon on a hill. On a hill to a new world, 
better still Where there's hope Where there's light Where there's peace J.M. in the A.M. There it is, another piece from past uh, from this past Friday. Our Lagba Omer extravaganza, if you will, turned out to be a much more serious and important show than we thought it would ever be in light of the news from Israel this past Friday. Uh, and there was uh, Avram Rosenblum and the Diasperados doing a uh, wonderful, absolutely wonderful performance uh, on Friday morning. It's Wednesday. Day 38 in the counting of the Omer. Reminder, Yom Yerushalayim is this coming Monday. We'll be celebrating. Mayor Weingarten and I are going to be presenting a three-hour Yom Yerushalayim special between 6 and 9. Make sure to be tuned in. Today, by the way, as I said, right after JM and the AM, Leon Goldenberg is going to be on with Politics Today. Senator Brian Benjamin, who's running for New York City Controller, will be on. Councilman Robert Cornegi, who's running for Brooklyn Borough President, will be on. That's all happening at 9 a.m. Eastern Time right here at JM in the AM, or I should say after JM in the AM. And Avrami reminds me that today, on Road Trip, the podcast slash show that we do with the OU, Miriam Wallach and I are going to feature Cincinnati, Ohio, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Ooh. So make sure you're tuned in right after the live lunch. Avrami will be on between 11 and 1, and then right after that, it'll be Road Trip here. At the Nahum Siegel Network. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechanishmas Harav Zebrevios of Alevi, and Zechanishmas Esther Basarios of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizot. We learn in the Yalkut Ruveni, as soon as Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim, Hashem called out, Chava, Chava. Moshe asked him, Ribbona Shalom, why Chava? Hashem said, because she was the Aim Kol Chai. She was the mother of all living. Moshe Rabbeinu then asked, If so, why isn't her name Chaya? Hashem answered, Because Chava has the same gematria as Aim Kol Chai. Rashi explains that a posuk umosha Elokim comes to imply that Hashem commanded Moshe Rabbeinu first to give over the Torah. Kosomer Leves Yaakov. It refers to the women, the Beis Yaakov, meaning that the Torah should be given first to the women and afterwards to give it to B'nai Yisrael. It's difficult for us to understand, as the Gemara tells us in Kiddushin, Shloshu Shudfin Heim 
There are three partners in the creation of man. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hashem Ve'avi Ve'imo His father and his mother. So how can we understand that the mother is the primary source for all the living? The Zerashimshin comments, she may be the source for a third of the child's life, so why is she the primary source for all the living? The Talmud in Sanhedrin says, Whoever raises an orphan in his house, it is as if he gave him birth, because women are the one that raised the children, that nurtured the children. Adam said that a woman is the primary source of all the living. In this, we can find the reason why Hashem was calling out Chava as Moshe Rabbeinu was approaching to receive the Torah. Hashem Yisbarach was telling us that the Torah was to be given over to the women first. The mother of the future great tzaddik, Reb Nachman of Breslov, as he was about to be born, the mother had already prepared a cup of water. After he was born, immediately she washed his hands, Natilas Yadayim, and every time that he woke from a nap or from sleeping, she would always be very careful to wash his hands, Natilas Yadayim. Perhaps that's the reason that he grew to be a world-famous leader in Tzaddik. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Shayam in the AM, my thanks to Rabbi Goldwasser, of course. Wednesday morning broadcast with all the conversations we've had about uh, COVID-19 on these airwaves, and we've had many. In fact, later on, we have a conversation in the 8 o'clock hour about the vaccine. Uh, but with all the conversations we've had, it's amazing that we've never addressed the genetic component to COVID-19. And I say this as B'li'ayin hara, B'li'ayin hara. We have been, meaning the seagulls, have been in many, many COVID-19 compromising situations, especially back in March and April of 2020. And thank God, B'li'ayin hara, none of us were affected and we don't stop thanking God for that. And then I remember a relative of mine who said, um, you know, I, I had no symptoms or anything. I went to the doctor and all of a sudden I had antibodies. And we're saying, I wonder why certain people, you know, are getting this disease. That he had antibodies, obviously he had the disease. And suffering none at all, nothing. And some people, of course, we know just how much they suffered and how difficult their end was. Well, with us live via telephone, somebody might be able to provide some answers to all of this. Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld is with us. He's manager of biomedical informatics, shared resource and assistant professor for the center for symptoms and computational biology at the Rutgers cancer Institute of New Jersey. Uh, they're working on a study. He and his team to determine whether genetic testing results from gift of life are able to help predict COVID susceptibility and symptoms. Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to speak to you. Uh, I, so I, bring me, I bring regards from Jay Feinberg of Gift of Life. He's <laughs> spoken to you quite a few times. I thank you very, very much. He's an amazing person and has changed the world and has really saved many, many lives, as we know. Um, yes. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you heard my opening, and uh, yes. I, I, I don't... Um, 
I don't take it lightly that, thank God, God has been very good uh, to me and my immediate family. But it is fascinating. I mean, I could tell you at least five stories of being in situations, obviously I didn't realize it at the time, where uh, I was right next to, being spoken to, um, in contact with people who not only had COVID, but people who passed away from COVID. And thank God, you know, my kids joke, oh, you know, it's it's not in our genes. We're immune. We're naturally immune. So we, we of course, you know, say this as a joke in our house. And you heard the story about my relative that, uh, you know, all of a sudden just discovered he has antibodies, never suffered any symptoms. So now I ask you, before we talk about the gift of life and the study you're doing, I ask you, is there anything to this? Is it possible that a significant part of the globe's population is simply immune or 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 has the ability to completely fight off COVID-19? I mean, there definitely are people who have a lower susceptibility. It came out probably about a year ago that people with type O blood have lower sensitivity. It's known for a lot of diseases. There are people we know for HIV. There are some people who can't get HIV. On the uh, on, on the on the O blood type, I mean, the, in yes. other in other words, there are people with O blood type that have had COVID. But but right. you're, but you're saying is the percentages are if you have O, you are less susceptible to getting it. Yeah, and there's a lot of other markers we've looked at in the genome, and we're trying to see if the gift of life stuff helps. There's. It- is there any, definitely something happened? Is there anything? The is, is there anything else that a lay person like? See, when you say if you if you have if you have blood type O, you're less susceptible. Okay, I, I get what that means. Are there any other generalities that a guy like me would understand? Or once we start exploring this, you're getting into really detailed stuff regarding genetics. I mean, there's no, there's nothing else that's popped out that's really clear, but it definitely happens. You have a family where everyone's sick except for the mother. Right. So there's there's definitely something going on, and there's a lot of scientists out there trying to figure this out. And your point being, in that case, you examine the mother; she has O, a blood blood type O. She might. I'm saying the right. blood type it definitely right. has a lower susceptibility, but we're still not. You're still not out in the clear. You know, my kid heard he had O blood type. Oh, I can not wear a mask. Right. Back here, that's not what it means. It means that this is all a statistical, scientific argument, not. Clear, which is hard to explain to a lot of people. All right, I hear that. You're not recommending people don't wear a mask if they think that they are not susceptible. Dr. Jeffrey Roosevelt's with us. All right, so you introduced yourselves to, yourself to us last week that you're doing a study trying to determine whether genetic testing results from Gift of Life. I remind everybody that Gift of Life, which is out there, you know, again saving lives and creating a a bank of potential donors. Um, uh, literally, you know, the way they do that is by swabbing. And we always talk about, you know, go and get swabbed. Gift of Life has made a, a point of getting to as many communities as possible to get as many people as possible into that, uh, into that bank of people. So now you're saying that with the test results from Gift of Life, the genetic test results, you might be able to predict the susceptibility and the, whether someone um, is likely to get symptoms from COVID-19. So we're not at that level of saying with a particular person. We're trying to figure out. So Gift of Life tests what are called HLA markers. It's what makes you you, your DNA, and that's why it's needed for transplants. So the idea is part of what makes a person themselves genetically in their blood cells, that could be part of the explanation for why people would or would not get COVID. The Gift of Life, so re- trying- the gift of life Registry is how large? 
They have a few hundred thousand people, depending and, on how you count it. And, and you have already, or you can, examine how many of those profiles? We can examine any of them. We're trying to get people to sign up for our survey so we can have their COVID information linked up with uh, the genetic data. So you'd like, in other words, it, it's the ideal, and if I, you know, tell me if I'm understanding this right, the ideal is you want someone who's been uh, affected by COVID to get swabbed and join that registry. Would that be the way of putting it? No, we want people people who are already in gift of life, our 400,000 people, a large percentage of whom are your listeners. Right. We want them to go to join our study. Just go to giftoflife.org slash COVID study, fill out a five-minute survey, and then we can look at their COVID, whether they've had COVID or not. And we, keep, we ask, you know, did you have COVID? Did family members have COVID? How many people do you live with? How bad was your COVID? And then we link that up with the genetics to try and figure out what genetic markers determine COVID susceptibility and severity. All right. So anybody who's ever, right, ever would be the right word, anybody who's ever participated in a gift of life swabbing, anybody ever, listen carefully, audience members, because we need you for this, anybody who's ever participated participated in a gift of life swabbing, and that is the cheek swab, correct? Yes. If you've participated and you've had your cheek swabbed, and now you assume, based on that, that you are a member of the Gift of Life Registry, if that's the case, there is a web page you must go to, and that is giftoflife.org slash COVID study. Correct? That's the right address? Yes. Gift, yes. of, gift of Life. The reason I say it is because I'm on the page, but the, you know, the URL changes at the top. Giftoflife.org. Slash COVID study, giftoflife.org slash COVID study. They're going to ask you for your name, for your birth date, for contact information, and they will, uh, I assume, what, be in touch or send additional surveys? What's, how's it going to work? That You go to that webpage and they'll automatically send you a custom link nice. with your information to make sure that people are who they say they are. Got it. And not confusing. Got it. Right. Uh, and the, the important thing is that this is whether you have or have not had COVID. Right. We want, we want to know. Right. Don't listen to what I said earlier, folks. It's anybody out there, whether you have had COVID or whether you have not had COVID, no matter what your COVID situation is, Gift of Life needs you if you've been swabbed at some point over the last many years. Gift of Life needs you to go to giftoflife.org slash COVID study. Giftoflife.org slash COVID study. Fill out the form, and by filling out that form with your information, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld and his team will be able to explore all of these issues further. Um, how long has this been going on, this study? We've been doing it for a few months. We have over 8,000 people who responded, which is an incredible number, but there's still another few hundred thousand people who've been swapping gift of life. Yeah, I hear that. The important thing is that right, for transplant, they stop when someone is around 40. Right. But here, for us, it doesn't matter. Someone's 80 or 90 and they were they got swabbed 30 years ago we still want them right so literally anybody who's in that registry when does when does a study become a study you just said 8000 when when do when do results of your research get published when you hit a tipping point of of how many and i know that you know every case is different but can you give us a general idea about how this works how how lab work then turns into you know a published study so when you've reached a certain level of re- a result that makes sense for ours, because we're looking at the HLA markers, there are tons of possibilities in people. 
we need a very large sample size. Mm. Right? For a lot of studies, I do 9,000 or 10,000 is incredible. For this, we'd ideally want 15,000. Right. For some studies, 10 people is good. It's, it's Once you've found something that you understand well enough and you think is replicable, can be replicated, that's when you publish it. Well, this is definitely attainable. I mean, you're at 8,000 already. You could certainly, you know, I mean, yes. we could certainly, as we continue to spread the word, especially in our community, we have a lot of people who are very active when asked to participate in things like this. So everybody out there, whether you've had COVID, not have COVID, whatever it was, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you've ever been swabbed and if you are now therefore part of the Gift of Life Registry, Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld and his team, can't emphasize enough how your profile, how what you, how 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 um, um, what we know about you scientifically can help determine and help find out key information regarding the COVID nineteen disease. If you've ever been swabbed, if you're part of Gift of Life, go to giftoflife.org/slash/covid-study. Giftoflife.org/slash/covid-study and participate. And um, as this, as you heard, as this uh, study grows larger and more and more people participate, uh, we get closer and closer to published results. And who knows what we'll learn from this? Um, I, I guess you, as a scientist, never have expectations about what you might learn from this, right? You never, you, 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 you never say to yourself, uh, you know. I, I mean, do you say? Maybe you do. Do you say to yourself already at eight thousand people that you're leaning in a certain direction? Not asking you for results, but that things are leaning in a you know, to reveal a certain piece of information, or you would wait until the whole study's finished to even start that whole thing? We'd wait until we... I mean, we've done some analysis just to get rough ideas, but as the numbers grow, things can totally change. Is this going to help with other diseases? Obviously, you're doing this with COVID-19, but we've never made this plea on the air before. Can this help with research with other things, especially you say that, uh, I mean, we know that you're at the Rutgers Cancer Institute, and you know how anxious our community and every community is to get more and more... Uh, um, uh, help for people who who um, you know suffer, especially from cancers that have no cure at this point. Uh, is it possible that this information is going to help? This particular information won't, but there's a ton of genetic data out there and studies we're doing about cancer and other diseases. But the reason we thought this was interesting is for for influenza, there, you know, the flu. There are people who are sensitive, people who are less sensitive. As I mentioned, HIV. There are people who are more and less sensitive. So there's something there in the DNA that helps explain this. Right. Not totally, as I said, but it's definitely a support. So, I mean, not to get um, into an area that's probably unfair for me to ask you about, but it's possible then that with all the restrictions and with the globe shutting down for all these months, it's possible, and again, I know there's no scientific evidence, but I'm just conjecturing here, it is possible that those who are susceptible to this disease are going to get it one way or the other, right? Especially if they're ever exposed to a situation where they can get it. And those who are, you know, who have a strong immune system against this disease, it's very possible no matter how much they would have interacted with people who have COVID and no matter how much they would have been in super spreader situations, they simply may never, ever get it. Would that be safe to say? I wouldn't want to go that far. It's, it's hard to make that statement unless you've taken someone really, really, You'll put them in a room full of COVID to test that. No one right. has or wants to do that test on people. But yeah. there are definitely, what I'll say, there are definitely people who have a stronger sensitivity and people who have a weaker sensitivity. And also, the other thing which is interesting is why oh, my kid gets a fever. Right. You have to get other people who 
I'll stick in the hospital. You take two healthy 35-year-olds, and most of that, one is on oxygen, and the other one has a fever, doesn't even know anything happened to them. Right. That's what we're interested in. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, all this that I just mentioned was because of a conversation I had the other day with someone who was conjecturing, you know, wouldn't it be unbelievable if we found out that even that even if the world would never have shut down anything, we'd still have the same number of people who passed away and who had COVID? And I know you can't comment on that, but I'm just saying that, you know, as as lay people, <laughs> we have the right and the tendency to, you know, to bounce these topics around. So Right. <laughs> so, yes. so there, I know there's no science behind it, but boy, if in retrospect we find out that that was the case, and a lot of people have suffered for absolutely no reason, that's uh, to say the least. Uh, those of you out there who have ever, if you're just tuning in, listen carefully. Those of you out there who are part of the Gift of Life Registry, no matter how old or young you are, no matter how old or young you are, this is not a, a as Dr. Rosenfeld said, it's not a transplant situation. This is just an information situation. No matter how old or young you are, if you are part of Gift of Life, if you're in their registry, they need your help just to get basic information regarding you and COVID, even if you never had COVID, if you never heard of COVID. They just want basic information about your experience uh, over the last 15 months. So please go to Gift, if you've ever been swabbed and if you're part of the Gift of Life registry, giftoflife.org slash COVID study, giftoflife.org slash COVID study. And by the way, Dr. Roosevelt, this is a good opportunity for us to plug that in general, it's a good idea for people to go to that website and make arrangements to get swabbed. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and we're also trying to do it to get it to grow. There's lots of people out there, and in fact, this year we're, ha- we're having a hard time. Most kids, people get recruited on college campuses. Right. So oh, people sit up a table in the middle of the college, and now right. college is totally virtual. Right. We have a lot less people, so we're definitely looking for people to join. We're always looking for more people to be able to match. For people who need transplant, and Gift of Life does tremendous work, helps hundreds or thousands of people a year, but there's always more people we could help as we grow our registry. You know, we always laud the first responders and the people, the healthcare workers on the front lines, and rightfully so. Of course we should laud them. Uh, but it's also nice to laud people like yourself who are in a lab all day and nonetheless still doing life-saving work, so I thank you for that. Thank you. Dr. Jeffrey Rosenfeld, Assistant Professor, Center for Systems and Computational Biology, Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. He and I and Jay Feinberg and everybody at Gift of Life is encouraging anyone and everyone, no matter what your age, who has ever been swabbed and is now part of the Gift of Life registry, please go to giftoflife.org slash COVID study, giftoflife.org slash COVID study. And my thanks to Dr. Rosenfeld on this Wednesday morning at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Shlomo Katz. He was with us Monday. If you missed that conversation, you should check it out. That was quite a conversation, frankly. Day 38 in the counting of the Omer. Five weeks, three days. A week from uh, Monday is Shavuos. This Monday is Yom Yerushalayim. Our friends at Ateret Kohanim, based on the rumor that I heard yesterday, are about to announce a big matching grant. So if you want to uh, contribute, which we recommend you do, to Ateret Kohanim as they continue to strengthen and uh, expand Jerusalem, or at least the Jewish presence in Jerusalem, um, be patient for a moment. <laughs> usually usually we are. We're asking everybody to give immediately. Uh, but they are supposedly, again, based on the rumor I heard yesterday, about to announce a big matching campaign, and obviously this audience can be very helpful. Our Tarot Kohanim Yom Yushalayim special is this coming Monday at 9. Monday between 6 and 9, Mayor Weingarten and I will bring you the JM and the AM Yom Yushalayim special. And we're looking forward to that. Oh, we are. Our friends and partners in Torah recommend that you become a mentor to somebody who wants to know more about their tradition and heritage. Can you sacrifice an hour a week to do that? Yes, you can. Call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two, or explore all of this by going to partnersintorah.org. Again, 
That's partnersintorah.org. Uh, today is the final day of the two-day upscale single-use table-setting sale that they're calling a pre-shvuis sale at shopiclers.com. It's a two-day flash sale. Today is day number two. It's 20% off on all upscale single-use table settings. The pre-shvuis uh, sale is online. Again, 20% off. You'll find it if you go to shopbyclothes.com. It's also the place you go to for same-day delivery in so many neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey. And if you're listening around the world, check out what they have to offer because you can't imagine how quickly they'll get you. Maybe not same-day, but they'll get you your items, your Judaica items, uh, ASAP. Simple as that. Uh, check it out. You may need something for Shavuos aside from the table settings. Maybe certain Svarim, certain Judaica, some gift for uh, your host, whatever the case may be. Go to shopiclers.com and enjoy. Periods of rain today with a high temperature of 66. We are at uh, 52 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Mm -mm. Um, What else did I want to remind everybody about? Leon Goldenberg coming up at 9 o'clock with Politics Today. At 1 p.m., road trip right after the live lunch with Avrami. Make sure to join Avrami for the live lunch between 11 and 1. Uh, road trip will concentrate on Cincinnati and Harrisburg. Road trip that we do with the OU. Cincinnati and Harrisburg. Someone just asked how we enroll. I assume they mean the Dr. Rosenfeld conversation. It's giftoflife.org slash COVID study. Giftoflife.org slash COVID study. Yeah, someone asked if they can get tested if they're a type O. Yeah. Just... Uh, just go to your doctor. They'll know it. They should know what blood type you are from the last blood test that you took, I would guess, or any blood test that you took. <laughs> blood type doesn't change, so that should work out. So check that out. And, um, oh, one reminder I must continue to give you. Our friends at Artscroll and Artscroll.com, they have their set sale going on. The set sale is... Um, uh, is um, uh, Chumash, Navi, Halacha sets, all sets 30% off between now and May the 19th. But remember, when you use promo code radio, you get free shipping. Remember that. You get your, usually you get a big discount and free shipping, but everyone seems to be getting the big discount this time around. So remember, every time, whether it's a sale item, a set, or anything else, every time you use artscroll.com, every time you visit that website, use promo code radio. Simple as that. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web, and AlchemSegal.com, and the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Hey, hey, where's our boy, bye. 
Opening the hour with uh, Srilly Williger here at JMNAM. Wednesday morning broadcast, day 38 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Dr. Rifka Malinsky is with us live via telephone, Associate Dean of uh, Students and Innovation at the Turo School of Health Sciences. Um, uh, part of the amazing uh, uh, Turo School in general. And um, you can go to Turo.edu for information about all that they do. Dr. Rifka Malinsky, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me. Well, I would assume one of the questions you're asked now, more often than any other, is uh, if the current situation, if the last 14 months on this globe have attracted a an unusually large number of students to the Turo School of Health Sciences. To the Turo Health Sciences programs, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's been a surge in um, people interested in giving back and seeing the value of, of healthcare. So our, our nursing program, our medical schools are definitely seeing a, a large surge. Our PA program is very popular. Um, Again, people are definitely seeing the value of healthcare, the need for healthcare workers, and for quality education. So we are seeing that interest on yeah. our end, definitely. He- healthcare workers have certainly, as we said earlier in the show, uh, rightfully so, have certainly been lauded for the work that they do, and they've been very, very, very high profile over the last year or so. And uh, is, is it? I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny. Often people come on, especially from Turo, because we we examine so many different departments. And I'll ask, you know, what type of student, and this is really for parents and, and uh, students, what type of student, what type of qualities do you think people should look 
for in in certain young people to know that they are inclined or could do well in a certain field. When it comes to yours, I don't know, it just seems to me that there's a a natural inclination on the part of the young person to go into this life-saving work. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody has to be I don't think anybody has to point out to them that they may have the qualities to be good at this. Right. Yes, I think that I think that's true. Um that Caring the uh, the interest in giving back, the interest in in science, the the general tendency of being caring and aware of the need of the people around them are are sort of part of who is going to look into the health sciences as a career choice. Definitely, pretty amazing. Uh, I, I I don't know if we could do them all, and I don't know how many they are. You did mention a nice list of you know possibilities when people come to Turo. Uh, and the School of Health Sciences, but are, are most of the programs uh, either the same lengthwise, or you know, when you add on the residencies, etc. You know, it, like like, how long would it take a student to graduate from the programs you described earlier? So, you know, each of the programs are unique, so I, I'm not I can't give you one answer for all of them. Um, Turo has a range of sort of fast track undergraduate options to get you the prerequisites that you need to come into um, the graduate level or professional level programs. Um, The professional level programs generally run from two years, for example, in um, nursing and speech, uh, mental health counseling, industrial organization, and to uh, apply behavioral analysis, those tend to be two-year-long um, at the graduate professional level. Um, and then there are some that are three years long, for example, occupational therapy, physical therapy, physician assistant, um, pharmacy. And then there are those that are four years long, like our um, medical school and um, DO programs. And then um, the most of the programs, like um, the majority that I mentioned besides medicine, has their internships or clinical experience mm. embedded in that length of time. Medical school has internship and um, residency that follow. Right. So again, depending on how long somebody takes to do the prerequisites, um, anywhere from you know a year to four years, it'll take them those additional years to do the professional degree. But then it's a, a lifetime calling. So yeah, I like get the that. investment of the education. So the medical school, and I assume the dentistry program would be, you know, would be separate and really wouldn't be comparable to the ones you just mentioned. Um, so unfortunately, I don't have enough information about right. the dental school to answer. My guess is, um, from what I understand about how they operate, they do have their clinical experience embedded in the educational process, um, and so it would probably be um, similar to medical school of any, you know, of whatever area of specialty. Right, understood. Well, I mean, as I mentioned to you off the air, I have a little bit of a uh, of an insight into um, into the life of somebody who's in the Turo School of Health Sciences. I think most people who've heard these conversations know that I have a daughter who's in your nursing school doing quite well, but it's been a challenge because um, there's no question that uh, aside from the hospital experience, which again was a challenge, but is, you know, students are, are certainly easing uh, back into it, into the in-person hospital experience, but also, you know, the classroom experience, especially in this situation, I think most would like it to be in person. Uh, how, how has your a school of health sciences dealt with the fact that the majority of uh, these encounters between professors and students over the last year have been virtual. It's certainly been challenging. Um, I think it's 
I'm, I'm confident that we've risen to the challenge and created um, a sense of community in that virtual space mm-hmm. so that students will tell me that they do feel you know, connected and have a relationship with their individual professors and their program advisors so that they have who they feel they can turn to if there's an issue. They, they feel connected to their class. There's a lot of technology that we're using um, to enhance that small ability for small groups to work together, even though they're not doing that in the study lounge or in the cafeteria. Um, and other technologies that are used to help students learn material that in normal times they may have done in a lab on campus, they can um, spend some time immersing themselves in different ways of understanding that material using some technology um, tools and simulation experiences. And um, I think ultimately what has made this successful, again, you speak um, from personal experience, is really the ability for the faculty and programs at Turo to recognize the need for human interaction and to ensure that that continues, even though it's not happening in person, in body, on campus. Um, so I think on, on, that, on that space, we've done the best we can in what turned out to be a crisis you know, worldwide. But like everybody, there's definitely value to that in-person experience. And so we've also had some, you know, essential labs that really require to be in person for the students as soon as it was, as soon as it was legal to come back on campus in small groups to yeah. do oh. some of those actual touch points um, and then using technology to balance that so that we make sure they have the skills to be Excellent. Yeah, well, um, again, I can attest to the fact that you've done a remarkable job at that. Frankly, sometimes I sometimes I marvel at just how good a job. And by the way, Doctor Malinsky, and you know, not not to get too uh, not to get too sentimental about COVID, but there's got to be an advantage. I I have I, I have to assume you've thought of this. There has to be some advantage for the students, even with the disconnect that we just described, who are going through this during their you know years of study in, in a school of health science. I, I get it. The hospital experience may not be exactly the same, although now I think it's totally uh, back up to par and the classroom situation we, you just described for us. But there has to be there have to be lessons and experience that these students are getting that no other era of students have gotten. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Even just a sense of purpose for they're clear. Right. Why they're needed, you know, even that have not specific to do with Turo or specific to do with any one profession, but just the the clarity of the value of healthcare to society at large yeah. gives a sense of purpose and pride to the profession of choice that I think is definitely been a positive and and how it has helped our students commit and stay connected and make it work despite all those challenges. Yeah, no question about yeah. it. It's pretty remarkable, and, frankly. I'll tell you, and, and nobody, nobody has gotten better publicity, better PR than health sciences over the last year. That that's a, that's an understatement, and and right. and, and, well, and again for good reason, as you point out. Right, and there'll be ongoing issues. You know, there's there's long lasting impact for some people um, from from COVID that will you know need ongoing therapies and assistance and support, and right. we're sure that we're getting our our current students ready to enter that healthcare workforce and 
and make a positive impact. All right. There are people in this audience, as you know, and parents in this audience who are looking toward uh, nursing school, PA, uh, therapy programs, as you mentioned, and, and the others that are that fall under your category, Dr. Malinsky. What should these students and parents do? How do they explore how the Turo School of Health Sciences can help their uh, their career at this point? So the Turo.edu website is probably the best place um, to go because you can search by um, by profession of choice, by location, by graduate and undergraduate. There's so many offerings at Turo. Um, the School of Health Science is um, Turo.edu slash SHS. But again, I think going to the Turo.edu website is likely a good start because it allows the exploration of the range of opportunities and options within healthcare and health sciences. And today, today is May 5th. Where are we on? The, is this a good time to apply? Is this still time for September? Like, how, how are we on the academic calendar for the School of Health Sciences? So generally, each program has its own um, application deadline. And again, that would be um, on the website. And there's, you know, way too many programs for me to start listing those deadlines. And some of our programs have rolling admissions. Uh. Again, one of the first questions that you asked me was about the popularity of health sciences. And so as classes fill, the opportunity to apply for the current um, upcoming year diminishes. But I would still encourage people who are interested to get started on that process. Even if it's not for this September, some of our programs start in January. there's things that you can do to make your application stand out and, be, you know, sort of get that front row seat for the following year. And so right. if you're ready, don't hesitate. Dr. Rifka Malinsky, Associate Dean of Students and Innovation School of Health Sciences at Turo. Information, Turo.edu, Turo.edu. Students, parents, pay careful attention to this because there are so many in our community who want to pursue this route, and Turo is a great way to do it. Turo. Dot edu. Dr. Malinsky, continued success and best regards to our friends at Turo. Thank you so much. More Thank coming you. up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Ari Goldwag here at JM in the AM. Oh, yeah. We've been talking about the uh, COVID-19 vaccine on these airwaves. Oh, yes. Boy, we have been talking about the COVID-19 vaccine on these airwaves, and for good reason. We want to make sure that our community gets vaccinated and uh, bring herd immunity to our community and the world. Why not? Big shout out to our friends at Joma. Um, they have been a tremendous resource of information for our community. They have had amazing events online that have been very informative. So the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association, you get a big thumbs up and a big thank you. And those of you looking for more information about uh, all their topics, um, including the one we're about to talk about now, you can go to COVID-19 resources on the homepage at joma.org. Again, that's J-O-W-M-A.org. Amy Barron, Dr. Amy Barron, is founder and executive director of I Was Supposed to Have a Baby, a not-for-profit organization that utilizes social media to support Jewish individuals and families as they are struggling to have a child. It provides a warm and nurturing space for those going through infertility, pregnancy loss, infant loss, surrogacy, or adoption, in addition to connecting those families to resources in the Jewish community at large. Dr. Barron was formerly the Director of Innovation and Growth at Nahama Comfort, that we featured, we have featured them on the air, has also worked as an attending pediatrician in a newborn nursery and neonatal intensive care unit at St. Luke's Roosevelt before taking a leave of absence after her third miscarriage. And she's with us live via telephone to talk about COVID-19 and obviously her area of expertise. Dr. Barron, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I guess three questions, because you probably could answer all three at the same time. How many people have asked you if people uh, currently in fertility treatment should have the vaccine? How many people who are expecting have asked you if they should have the vaccine? And third question, what have you told the people in those two categories? (laughs) All excellent questions, and I think (laughs) I've been asked them about 12 gazillion times um, since the vaccine was even thought of um, in the, you know, minds of the researchers. Um, look, the, 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 the situation is, is like this. You know, there are the, there, the community, my community, the fertility community, the community that I support is, in general, very hesitant to put anything into their bodies that might possibly harm their babies and with good reason. Right. You know, we, we know that, you know, anything, uh, you know, some people go all organic, gluten-free, you know, like you know, people are hesitant to take medications. We know like specifically individuals, lots of individuals who have mental illnesses, you know, they, they sometimes have this like, you know, d- notion that they need to come off their mental illness medications because it's going to be harmful for the baby. Like there, there are a lot of um, myths that are surrounding fertility and pregnancy where people assume that anything that they put into their bodies could potentially have a negative effect on their babies and they want to be as natural as possible, right. whatever that means. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, there people in this community are coming from that mindset. So that's sort of the first thing that we just have to acknowledge, because if we don't acknowledge that and we just say, like, 
do anything, eat anything, do anything. Like, you know, one of the first things that people say when you're pregnant or when you're thinking about it, don't eat raw fish, don't have certain kinds of cheeses, don't drink alcohol, you know, like all of these things, like people are very careful. So that's the first thing we have to acknowledge. And, And there is good data to support that. In regard to medications and specific and and vaccines in general without even talking about the covid vaccine yet you know there have been many 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 studies there are specific kinds of medications that are classified as class class a b c d you know unknown and we know that there are certain medications that are safe for pregnancy safe for individuals who are going through fertility those that have been not unstudied like we call them category c and those that have been shown to have terrible effects on the pregnancy. So we, we know though those things exist and that research exists. Things like Tylenol, totally safe. Mm. Things like um, thalidomide have, has shown to be not safe. So, you know, and, and the, those, those kinds of medications, and all these kinds of medications run the gamut of everything in between. Right. Then with vaccines, what we are not talking about the COVID vaccine yet. We know that certain vaccines are recommended for individuals during pregnancy because if the, the mother hasn't had that, hasn't had the specific disease yet, if she does get the disease during pregnancy, it could have terrible effects on the baby and on her. And so while weighing the risk benefit analysis of should she get the, if she gets the illness or if she gets the vaccine, you know, for lots of vaccines, there are long-term studies out there. The research has borne out that it's more beneficial to get the vaccine, even with the small potential side effects or the effects that might be terrible, as opposed to getting the vaccine, that the vaccine is a much right. safer way to deal with it. Is, is, that what's ha- you- is that what's happening now in this country? Are a good number of pregnant women getting the vaccine? Right. So, so that's exactly what I was just going to say. So the recommendations have come down that it is for pregnant individuals. We know we've seen, we have the data from the last year ish, you know, a little right. bit more than a year of when pregnant women get COVID. We know what happens. Some of them along with the regular population do okay, but most of them really have a terrible course We've seen many individuals end up with severe illnesses and also, you know, in the ICU. And there are pregnant women who have died. Pregnant women are considered to be immunocompromised. Their immune system is not as robust as as a typical individual. And so if they should get COVID, then their illness tends to be more severe than the average person who is their age. And so we are recommending the vaccine, we meaning from the medical sciences, we are recommending the vaccine for pregnant individuals because of this exact reason. Because, yes, like, do we know definitively how COVID is going to affect you and your body and your baby definitively? No. But we know that there is an increased likelihood that it's going to be terrible. Right. And we'd much rather save you that terribleness and God willing save your baby with the vaccine than not have the vaccine. And, and I would, I'm going to add one further thing. 
often when we do these kinds of vaccine sort of education and in general, not only with the COVID vaccine, the recommendation is, you know what, get it in the second trimester or later or even before you're considering getting pregnant because during the first trimester is when all of the organs are developing, all of the different different cells to differentiate into different body parts. And so that, that's the time of most, um, I, I'm using the same word again, differentiation, growth in terms of the brain and all the other different pieces. After the second trimester, and this goes for the COVID vaccine, all vaccines, and also lots of medications, and I'll talk about myself in a second, the recommendation is if you're going to do it, do it before you get pregnant or do it in the second or the third trimester. Right. And I'll even bring this back to myself. I'm, you know, I support women who, women and families who are going through infertility, pregnancy loss, any struggle to have a child. I personally went through six miscarriages, three of which, excuse me, four of which were in the second trimester. And that entire time period was horrific and horrible. I, I full on depression and terrible amount of anxiety anytime I was getting pregnant, even after that first miscarriage, because I was just afraid, terribly afraid, and sometimes even having panic attacks about the pregnancy. Now, in my last pregnancy, which ended up resulting in the birth and the like amazingness of my twins who are now seven. I was also having this terrible anxiety and especially around the times when I lost the pregnancies previously. So I, I in those four previous pregnancies, I lost the, those pregnancies in this at the 16 or 17 week mark. And so the weeks leading up to those that time period yeah. were intense periods of anxiety, and I was having terrible panic attacks. Can't imagine. And I went to see a psychiatrist, and I said to her, along I was, you know, in therapy the entire time trying to manage those feelings. But I went to see a psychiatrist because I was really not functioning, and I said, like, is there anything here that's safe for me to take? For me just to feel like I can function again, I have three other children, I need to be able to take care of them, I, I need to make dinner, you know, Shabbos, etc. And she said, look, she said, you know, the research is not great. Like, let, let's call it what it is, specifically for anxiety. But in consultation with my OBGYN at the time, she said, you know, for you, the worst time is the second trimester, and especially the days and weeks leading up to that point for mm -hmm. you when you lost those babies. Mm -hmm. I, she said, I'm completely comfortable with you taking a short-acting medicine or any kind of medicine in the second trimester because we know that it's beyond the first trimester and we know we're not going to affect how the babies are developing. Right, understood. And that's what I did, and my babies are fine. Not Baruch, babies anymore, they're children. <laughs> Bar Bar yeah, your babies are no longer babies. Baruch Hashem. Dr. Amy Barron is with us. Um, kudos to our friends at Joma. Obviously, with Dr. Barron's appearance here, I, I think we could safely say that she is under the proper circumstances, and obviously everyone should speak to their doctor, uh, recommending 
the COVID-19 vaccine. By the way, before I ask you, uh, I, have a, I have a question I want to ask you about your experience, but aside from that for a moment, um, w- would you say the same thing with the flu shot? Do you recommend or do, it, do does the medical community in general in this country recommend that pregnant women get the flu shot on a regular basis? Yes, excellent question. Um, exactly the same recommendations, exactly the same. Um, and I believe, I actually, I, I'm not... I, I'm not sure about this. Please check with your OBGYN because I am not a an OBGYN, OBGYN by training. Right. I am a pediatrician by training. My right. the work that I do is in support and emotional support right. of the fertility community. Um, the for, the flu vaccine is recommended exactly in the same way and exactly for the same reason. Um, for pregnant women and individuals who are trying to get pregnant because for the same reason, this depressed immune system, the, if you get the flu while pregnant, you can have a, a terrible course that's unlike someone else of your age. I don't remember whether the recommendations are getting the flu vaccine during the first trimester is okay. That's that's the piece that I don't remember. But it is absolutely, definitely recommended for pregnant women. Dr. Amy Barron's with us. Now, based on what you just said in terms of your qualifications, it might be unfair to ask you this question, but, you know, you could always say that (laughs) that you have no answer. You know, we've spent a good part of this morning because of the um, study being done at Rutgers with Gift of Life talking about the tendency of somebody, you know, being susceptible to COVID. And and the suspicion is, and again, you know, I speak completely unscientifically, the suspicion is that that O that type O blood is uh, you know, just an example. Um, you know, obviously people with type O blood have gotten COVID and will probably continue to do so, but you know, at a much lower rate it seems than than people with other blood types. Just giving an example of what I mean by tendency. W- with all your experience, have you ever come across why some women have a tendency to go through what you went through? Does anybody have a clue as to what circumstances or situations might be uh, a contributing factor to that type of uh, of difficult experience that you had? You were referring to my repeat pregnancy loss. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, there, there, the answer is, is we are starting as a scientific community and a research community we are starting to understand why um, why it can happen to some individuals, and there's still so much about medicine that, and science, as we all know, that we still do not understand. Right. Um, you know, we we know that there are certain medical conditions, there are certain clotting disorders, um, there are certain immunologic conditions, there are certain genetic disorders. There are definitely things that exist that we know about that can cause repeat miscarriage um, or repeat pregnancy loss. And, you know, it's, it's, the list is very long, but they generally fall into one of those three categories. What I and we in the medical community always recommend is that if, you know, we say that if you've had one loss, not that it's typical and not that it's not horrible and not that it's life-altering for so many individuals Mm -hmm. but we know the statistics are that one in four pregnancies end in a loss and so specifically in our community you know when we're having large families the reality is is that miscarriage 
has happened either to yourself or to someone that you know very well. Right. And so it's a, it's a common phenomenon in our community. And so if you've had one, often it's, it's something that happens. And most likely if it's in the first trimester, it's a genetic anomaly in that the chromosomes didn't come together in the proper way to create a perfect human being. And it's part of what, what you know, doctors term, and, and I think also what, what Hashem like, was thinking about in terms of a little bit of natural selection, right. that, that these babies were not meant to be right. born, were not, these babies, it's, it happens. We have eggs and we have sperm that don't have complete sets of their genetic material. Right. And even though, you know, in, in a, you know, in an ideal circumstance, those things do not come together and you do not get pregnant. Sometimes you do. And sometimes what happens is those pregnancies end in a loss and they end in a loss very quickly. And so we say in the medical community that if it happens once, grieve and get all the support and, right. and emotional, you know, emotional comfort that you need because meet, pe- meet, pe- child, meet people like you. I can only imagine what these women would be going through if they didn't have people like you around. Look, I, I you know, I, thank God that lots of lots of support in the Jewish community exists. Right. Nechama Comfort, A Time, Kenafayim. Right. There are a lot of organizations, including myself, including I was supposed to have a baby that exists for this exact reason. But if there's so, if there's one, then reach out and get the support. Right. But if you have more than one then that's the time really to start pressing your doctors and getting testing done and really trying to get answers because one is horrible, two is a pattern. And patterns need to try to be, you know, figured out so that it doesn't happen again. And hearing your stat, 25% end in miscarriage, hearing that stat makes me want to say to all of us, men and women out there, fathers and mothers, just how blessed and lucky we are to be parents. Because sometimes, you know, someone, I, I was once at a Suda Soda for somebody who survived a very difficult childbirth and took months to recover. And the doctor, who happened to have been a from man, spoke, the doctor of this patient spoke and said, this episode does not reflect or, or remind us that, you know, there are times when, um, when, when people have difficulty in childbirth, this episode reminds us that every 10,000, that there are 10,000 births going on without any problems and complications, which is unbelievable. And I'd like to extend that by saying, you know, what you're telling us about this 25% doesn't just remind us that we're all lucky to have children, but, but even now in 2021 with all the technology in the world, you need that blessing from above and the hashkacha that, uh, that we all pray for in order to actually become parents and raise families. And I think it's an important message, especially in an, in an era of, uh, of leisure and comfort when we, think we have, when we think whatever we want, we can have. Look, this is, this is the very essence of the community in which I support. Right. You know, these, these families, these individuals are desperate to have a child. They, they yeah. look all around them and everybody else seems to be doing exactly what they cannot. Right. And look, I mean, some of that is because still in today's day and age, we're not talking about these things at our Shabbos tables, at our Simchas, at our, you know, we're not talking about them public, publicly in these, you know, sort of semi-intimate 
you know, celebrations. We're not, or, or events. We're not doing that. But what we know is that it's happening everywhere. And so it's this, this notion that everybody else like has, and we do not is, and, and also the uncertainty of all of it. It's the, like, if you knew that you would be holding a baby in your arms in even two years or yeah. three years. Yeah. The anxiety yeah. and yep. the angst yep. all of the the time up until that, you would be you would be sad and you would yep. be you know, you would still feel bereft. Yep. But at least you would know that you had a happy ending. A hundred percent. The problem with all of this is you never is know. The un- Right. right. You just yeah. never know. Listen, uh, Dr. Barron, I mean, we just met today, so I'm not sure you have a sense of humor, but uh, I'd have to assume based on the situations you've been through, you have to have one. Can you play this game with me for a minute of the most ridiculous thing that anybody ever said to you in these situations? We, we sure. Oh, thank you. Go right ahead. You have you have the floor. <laughs> I, I, how much time do you have? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll just take one. Go ahead. Give me one of them. <laughs> Look, you, you know what? I'll, I'll sort of go ridiculous, and then and then I'll go like you know, and, and then I'll bring it back to Good. current events. Unfortunately, right? You know, I, about what happened last week—the horrific tragedy in Mayrone. So right. we're doing ridiculous, and then you know, bringing right. it back. Right. I, I you know this. Hashem has a plan. Everything happens for a reason. Right. Why are you struggling? You should just have more faith, more amuna, more bitachon. You know, Hashem only does this to people who can handle it. Uh. Like, like, like all, all of this stuff, ridiculous stuff, is, is you know, is it, people say this stuff anytime there's a tragedy. They're saying it now. Right. They said it to me then, and over and over again, and during not, all of my years. And it's not consoling. And, People need it's to know just, that it's not it, consoling. It's just, it, it just, it's not, it's not only it's not consoling, but it's just, it doesn't meet people where they are. It just like flippantly says like, eh, doesn't matter that you're sad. Just like push that all away and just like, remember Hashem is there and he'll take care of you. Like, okay, yes. Like, yeah. if, if you're a believer, if you're someone who has a deep connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you do believe that, but in times of great distress, of tragedy, of grief, having people not see you in the place that you are, in that terrible despair, and instead flippantly giving you these remarks because they don't know what else to say. I don't believe it comes from a bad place. It comes from a place where people think that it's actually going to be helpful. But everyone needs to know when to keep their mouth shut. Correct, correct, correct. Silence is so intimidating. People need to know that silence is usually the best way to go. Look, there's a reason why at a Shiva house, the halacha is right, right. that you shouldn't speak right. until spoken to. Right, and that nobody, nobody follows that anymore. It's awful. Right, right. And so I'm very careful, very careful whenever I go to a Shiva house, even if there's, you know, even if they're talking about nonsense, about yep. shush. I do not say a word. I wait until right. someone has spoken to me. I wait, and then and then we have a discussion that's appropriate. Look, you need to let the mourner yeah. lead the conversation. Correct. The conversation, if they want to talk about just fine, right. like, that's helpful and for, if they, and for if them. They, and if they want you included, you'll know they want exactly. you included. Right. Exactly. But but this this like this you know sort of coming at it from on high, this religious toxicity, this this like. You know, 
we know better than you and you're you're going through this because of this none of those things are ever helpful yeah. ever at any point whether it's immediately you know in the immediate moments surrounding a tragedy or years later when people say things like people say to me now because they know that I run this organization and help so many people they say oh well now you know why you had to go through all that uh, I'm like no uh, actually, oh God. no no <laughs> oh gosh no. unbelievable uh, I got to get a final word from you about the vaccine hesitancy. I mean, I know that uh, the people at Joma have been trying their darndest to get everybody to focus on on getting this done and making our community and our general community as safe as possible going forward. Um, any final statement regarding those who who are in our community who still wonder about the efficacy and whether it's worthwhile to do all this with the vaccine? Look, I, I'm part of the advisory board of JOMA, and we are here to provide information and education. We are not forcing anyone to do anything. We are here to give people good scientific information, dispel myths, and to try to encourage people to get the vaccine, although we're not forcing anyone. Right. There is free will. Everybody right. has free will. Right. But we're, we're trying to encourage all individuals, including the fertility community, to get the vaccine because, when, because we know that if you were to get the illness, while no one can predict what your course will be, those in this community, in my community, the fertility community, because of their immune state, potentially could have a worse side effect. Right. And so we're, we're making those recommendations for this community. And also there's a lot of misinformation out there about how the vaccine can affect fertility. The vaccine can change your, your cycle. Like I, 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 my last word on this, I, I, what I want to say to the community at large is, yes, do we know that the vaccine can potentially change your cycle for up to one to two months? Yes. Wow. That information has been borne out, meaning if you're normally a 28-day cycle person, it might be 20 days or it might be 32 days. That's what I mean by changing your cycle. Right. What it does not do, and there has been research out of Israel and a number of other places that have borne this out, so to speak, in my community, I can say born, <laughs> right. um, that has borne this out. It does not, they've studied women who've been going through the infertile, um, in vitro process, the IVF process, and they've studied women on different, um, in different fertility communities. It does not change the number or the quality of the eggs that you might be producing if you were on those fertility medicines for IVF. It does not change anyone's sperm, count, quality, anything like that. That's what the research that we know. So especially in the firm community, there are lots of myths out there that it really depresses or decreases or affects your fertility. I'm not sure where that comes from because the research has not shown that at all. And so that's the last word I'd like to leave with you. Does it change your cycle? It can. Doesn't 
doesn't absolutely, but it might. But that doesn't mean it's going to affect your chances of having a baby. Can't thank you enough for joining us this morning. Dr. Amy Barron, a pleasure to meet you in this forum and continue your amazing work on behalf of people who really need you. Amen. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Dr. Amy Barron, uh, a reminder, information, go to joma.org. Very simple, J-O-W-M-A.org. The folks at Joma have a great uh, resource center. It's a tab at the top of their page that says... COVID-19 resources. Check it out. Also, they have those amazing videos we've been telling you about. Uh, some of them really specific, healthcare professionals, uh, doulas, uh, etc. And then, of course, for the general community as well. You can check all those out by going to their website at joma.org. More coming up. It's a Wednesday morning edition of JM in the AM. Bye.
J.M. in the A.M. That's Yeedle. Robbie Shimon Bar Yochai. Yeah, we didn't get to all of our regular uh, Lagbomer music on Friday because we were featuring uh, Avram Rosenblum and the Diasperados. Uh, although we did do Avram's Bar Yochai, right? We did his, uh, we did his uh, Diaspora Bar Yochai. Then the first hour, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was a good one. That, I must say, was a good one. J.M. in the A.M. Um, well, our friends at Atarit Kohanim, as you know, our Yom Yushalayim special is this Monday, and I hope everybody's going to be, are going to be, um, are going to be tuned in when Mayor Weingarten and I present the uh, Yom Yushalayim special this Monday. At 9 a.m., it's the Atarit Kohanim one-hour special and on Monday. And the rumor is that someone at Atarit Kohanim is, is setting up a matching grant to support the efforts to uh, strengthen and build and expand the Jewish neighborhoods of Yushalayim. So as soon as we have information on that, we'll let you know. But that would be pretty cool, I must say. Um... Our friend Ralph Rosenbaum reminds you that it's tax time. Isn't it about time you went to a firm that does more than taxes? Rosenbaum Financial Services is that firm. Taxes play an integral role in all of life circumstances, and they at Rosenbaum are able to identify planning opportunities based on information within your return. To learn more, visit taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com, or dial 1-800-829-2722, 1-800-829-2722. Two seven two two. In addition, uh, anybody who calls or emails Ralph at taxcpa2.com, you get the no obligation research on the dirty dozen tax scams uh, to watch out for. Ralph at taxcpa2.com. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman, kosher hot dog sausage and deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954. Available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Try A&H today. We had the delicious hot dogs last night. Oh my gosh, hot dogs were incredible. I put on I put on sauerkraut, relish, Dijon mustard, and baked beans. I barely was able to fit the hot dog bun in my mouth, <laughs> but it was just amazing. It was really amazing, no joke. Um, our friends at ArtScroll.com remind you that there's a thirty percent off sale right now on all sets. Chumish na halacha, all sets thirty percent off. Until May 19th. But if you use promo code radio, you get a major discount and free shipping. The lesson, the lesson, always use promo code radio at artscroll.com. Simple as that. Never a, nary a transaction should go by with artscroll.com where you didn't use promo code radio. Simple as that. I couldn't say it any more simply. It's very simple. Anyway, keep that in mind. Um, and again, Yom Yerushalayim special coming up Monday. Can't wait. <laughs> Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard a listener's sponsored digital radio around the world of web and NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Wednesday here at JM in the AM. Avrami live lunch between 11 and 1 at 1 p.m. road trip. We're going to visit Cincinnati and Harrisburg virtually. 
And coming up right now, Leon Goldenberg with Politics Today. Politics Today's got two candidates on today's show, one for New York City Controller and one for Brooklyn Borough President. Leon Goldenberg is next right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Have a fabulous Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.